What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. And you're listening to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with people like you. I am very, very, very excited about today's guest. His name is Dr. Nidarko, or as I like to call him, the podcast boss. So Dr. Nidarko is the podcast boss. And any of you who know him will recognize the name from Docs Out the Box, which is hands down one of the best medical podcasts out there, period. So make sure you check that out if you haven't checked it out and subscribe to that podcast, all right? Dr. Darko is a trauma surgeon, an excellent one at that. And beyond trauma surgery, he's a father. He's a husband. He's the podcast boss. He's a businessman. He does so much, wears so many different hats and does an excellent job at balancing all of those things. So in this episode, he's going to tell you how he he basically started in the projects and his parents very early on told him education is the way out. Education is your ticket to success. And he clinged on to that and held on to it and look at him today. So any parents listening, I want you guys to hear that loud and clear. That's a great message for your children. Education, education, education. Great message for your children. All right. So before we get into it, let me remind you guys, February 16th. In Dallas, Texas, we're going to be hosting the Black Men and White Coats Summit. So as many of you guys as want to come down, come on down to Dallas, Texas. We'll make space for you. Black Men and White Coats Summit, February 16th. This is a free event. So if you can get down here, we'll open the doors and you are more than welcome. I'm going to go ahead and put the registration link down below. So go ahead and click on that. Register. If you can make it. If you can't make it, (laughs) don't click on it, right? Because seats are limited. But go ahead and click on it. And we'd love to have you guys down here. For this summit, we're going to be doing a lot of great stuff and really promoting the cause. So I know you're tired of hearing from me. Let me get you guys directly now to the podcast boss, Dr. Nee Darko. Check it out. Hello, my name is Dr. Nee Darko, and I am a board certified general surgeon. I currently practice as a trauma surgeon, and I'm really, really excited to be talking to you all about being a black man in medicine. Now, I grew up in Queens, New York, a place called Lefrak City, and this place is not too far, about two or three blocks from Shea Stadium where the Mets used to play, as well as where they currently play the U.S. Open. So I grew up as a big Mets fan, as well as a New York Giants fan in the 1980s. And based off of that history, you would think that I wanted to be an an athlete and that's what I would want to be because I was right there when they won their championships and so forth. But that's really not the case. Let me tell you a little bit about my history. So my mother and my father, they're both blue collar immigrants from Ghana, West Africa. My mother is a nursing assistant. My father is a computer technician. And from a very, very early age, you know, education was really pressed really hard on me as well as my three older sisters. In order for us to make it out of the projects and in, in in the city, you know, my parents really said like the, the best way to do this is to really educate yourself and take yourself from one station in life to another more successful, comfortable uh, portion of your life, and that just really resonated with me. So when I was growing up, I, I really wanted to be so many different things, but I just, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to be. Obviously, like I said before, an athlete was something that I was considering. 
one point I wanted to be an actor. <laughs> um, and even one point I wanted to be an astronaut. But to be honest with you, the one thing that that really stood out to me was the concept, the idea of Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable from The Cosby Show, which you all know was a very popular show in the 1980s. I remember, you know, just waiting. I couldn't wait for, you know, the next episode to come on. We as a family would sit in front of the TV and watch the episode. For me, when I was watching, you know, I, I didn't know any black doctors when I was growing up. So you have someone on TV now who is a doctor. He's black. He has a beautiful wife. She's a lawyer. They have kids. They're cool. And they all live in a brownstone in Brooklyn. Like that, I was hooked at that moment. Like I knew like that's the type of life that I wanted. And I couldn't really specifically pinpoint exactly what aspect I liked the most. But this was a life that I just kind of really wanted for myself. And I'm going to be very honest. I didn't know anything about being a doctor aside from what I saw on TV. But let's let's fast forward a little bit. It wasn't until I was about 17 that I knew that medicine really was for me. So I went to a college called Lehigh University. They had a summer program right before you actually start school where you can get kind of acclimated to the campus. So it's not too much of a cultural shock going from high school in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, to the campus and, and college. I got a chance to meet an alumni there. His name was Dr. Jordan Garrison, who was a trauma surgeon at University Hospital in Newark, New Jersey. So obviously, this guy is, this physician is practicing literally five blocks away from my house. And I asked if I can you know, just watch him and shadow him um, for a little bit. And I finally got a chance to watch him right before I actually started the year at Lehigh. He invited me to come down and 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 spend an evening there. Now, I remember my parents dropping me off at the hospital. They talked maybe for like two or three minutes outside of the emergency room, and then they drove off and were going to pick me up later on. And I remember talking to Dr. Garrison probably for about three to five minutes, and then his pager going off, and some alarm went off in the hallway, and we quickly went down to the ED. And by the time we got to the ED, he put a gown on me. He was like, hey, stay in that corner right there and just watch what I do, but don't move. You'll be okay. And probably about a minute later, you know, this kid, basically my age, maybe a couple years older came in. He was shot multiple times, was in a lot of pain. And, you know, the EMS transferred him from one bed to the actual uh, ER bed. And I just saw like all of these people just working on him and doing things. And he was screaming in pain, you know, but there were people who were, you know, looking for other gunshot wounds and starting IVs on him and giving him pain medications and, um, you know, just doing all these things at the time that I really didn't understand. And it just felt like there was just very, a very chaotic situation. But, you know, I saw Dr. Garrison, who was just calmly at the foot of the bed, just kind of directing everybody to do what was next and what needed to be done for this kid. And it it just at the time I kind of I was like, man, it looks like he's almost like like a, a maestro, like he's orchestrating, he's a conductor, he's orchestrating an orchestra. A couple of minutes later, he just said, We need to go to the operating room, and he took the patient to the operating room. And, you know, for the next couple of hours, I just was just kind of <laughs> 
waiting in the hospital. And I finally found him a couple of hours later and he was sitting right next to the patient's mother. She was crying. He was consoling her. The patient did fine, but he was really, what I, what really stood out to me was him consoling the mother. And I just thought about it from far away. I was like, man, like he went from this patient being almost dying to making a decision to take the patient to the operating room, being able to take care of this kid. He's doing fine. And then all at the same time, being able to console the mom. I knew that not only was medicine what I really wanted to do, but I knew that I really wanted to do trauma surgery. And I was really hooked at that time. Afterwards, you know, going through college, there were some tough times. I had to apply to medical school twice. And there was self-doubt. There was shame that grew from that. I mean, before this point, before I got rejected the first time, I would always tell everybody that I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be a surgeon. I would watch all the different TV shows. And when I got rejected, I didn't want to share that story with anybody anymore. I, anytime someone brought up my dreams or what I wanted to do, I would just change the subject. But, you know, I finally picked myself up. I applied the second time. I changed my strategy and I got in. But, even harder times came about. Residency, general surgery residency was tougher. I did my general surgery residency at Morehouse School of Medicine at Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it was very tough. There's a lot of hours that you have to spend in the hospital to become really proficient at operating. And I was very far from my family that was in New Jersey. Very difficult time. What got me through the toughest times was a combination of a bunch of things. There was constant support from my family. There was constant support from my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. Um, and practicing at a really large indigent hospital, you really get to take care of people who really need you the most. From a financial standpoint, they can't afford to get healthcare anywhere else. So being able to, you know, positively affect people's lives really kept me going also. So all three of those things really helped me get through the tough time, you know, of just spending so much time in the hospital and having really tough times. Now, some of the best times obviously were related to what I did in the operating room and what I did even before the operating room. But the times that I really remember were actually afterwards. Um, you know, for example, like getting a hug from a patient's family member, you know, because I spent you know, an additional two hours explaining everything from what happened in the operating room to what to expect afterwards. You know, and this is like two hours past my shift, you know, and at those times I didn't really care. Like I it just being able to get a hug, being able for them to understand that, you know, we got some tough times ahead, but we're going to be okay. I'm not going to leave them by themselves. Those moments were really rewarding. And there's truly, there's really nothing like it. After graduating from residency, I went down to University of Miami and finished a trauma fellowship and learned a lot there. And now as a practicing trauma surgeon, I get to take care of the sickest patients, gunshot wounds, stab wounds, car accidents, people who need their appendix taken out, anything that you can think of from a surgical emergency in the middle of the night or even during the daytime, I get to take care of. And I get to take care of these patients in their emergency room. I get to operate with them, obviously, in the operating room. 
There are times when I have to take these patients to the intensive care unit. I'm there taking care of them there also. And obviously during their time on the floor, I'm taking care of them also into discharge. So it truly is this continuity of care that you rarely see in medicine that I really pride myself in being able to be a part of. During this time, though, I realized that I was looking for a little bit more. I was looking more for an impact on my community outside of the hospital, and I wanted to have more of a voice. I went ahead and I started a podcast called Docs Outside the Box. It's a podcast where I feature ordinary doctors who do extraordinary things outside of medicine, and that has been a game changer for me. That has allowed me to interview and learn from other successful physicians on how they've been able to really have balance in their lives, to be completely fulfilled in their lives, and also at the same time, to really express themselves outside of just being a physician. If you ever wanted to know how, for example, the TV show, The Doctors, how do the doctors get on that show, or how doctors interview and coach other doctors, or how doctors go to different parts of the world and practice medicine there. Like those are the type of doctors that I feature on my podcast. It's been a really great time. It's really helped my voice rise within the physician community. Also, I run a temp agency for doctors. It's an agency where I connect doctors with hospitals and it allows the doctors to really have the lifestyle that they've always wanted, but also at the same time, be able to take care of patients and provide care at hospitals that have a strong need for specialties that just aren't really at larger cities. So we're talking about suburban and rural areas. It's been a really fun time running that company. But I ultimately, I really want you all, mothers, fathers, college students, anybody who's interested in becoming a physician or helping someone get through the process of becoming a physician, that it's really important to have family as well as community support um, to really help someone reach their dreams. Obviously, being a doctor is one of them. And I want you all to really understand that becoming a doctor, for me, I feel like I've been given the keys to accomplish literally anything that I want and more in life. You know, that I literally can take care of my patients and educate my patients and in the next minute get on social media and do a podcast and then also run a business. And who knows what's in store for me in the future. And I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm just letting you all know that becoming a physician truly is you basically have the keys to do whatever you want. If I can do it, you can also. You really are the architect of your own career. You can take it anywhere you want to go. So I just want to leave you all with the point of this is your life. You really have to make it count and really go out and do something great. My name is Dr. Nee Darko, and I'm a black man in medicine. Shout out to the podcast boss. That was amazing. There's so much to be gained from that story. And you know, the little nuances and things that if you're not paying close attention, you might not pick up the the learning points from it. And there's so much in it. You know, one of the things that I mentioned one at the beginning already, which was education. But let me mention one of the back end now. Something that he talks about. He talked about when he didn't get in the first time when he was applying to medical school. He didn't get in the first time. And how he tried to 
push that dream off to the side. So he said, before I got in med school, I always tell people, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Then I didn't get in. And I didn't want to talk about it. But he overcame that. You know, that's that's the part I want you guys to get. He overcame that, pulled up his big boy britches, hopped back up on the bike, and went full throttle again. Reapplied. Got in. Now, of course, he's at today. And so, guys, m- many of you guys know this. I mentor tons of pre-meds, right? And I see this time and time again. When things don't look like they're going your way, they kind of run away from the situation. But I want you to take Dr. Darko's advice. See what he did. Yeah, he it knocked him down for a bit, but he got back up and he went head on and faced it. That's what you guys have to do. Face it head on. Look, we're all going to fail. I've, I've, I've messed up. I've failed. I'll tell you, frankly, the, the reason I love this Black Men and White Coats podcast and the guests we have is because people are just real. They're just real. They tell you when they've messed up. They tell you how hard it was. They tell you they failed. They tell you when they struggled with with depression and things like that. They're, they're, they're real. So understand that if you're going through some of these things, you're not alone. We all struggle with challenges of imposter syndrome, wondering if we're good enough. But the thing you have to do is what Dr. Darko did is get back up, face it head on, and attack it because you have what it takes in you. It's God-given. You have what it takes in you already. Nobody needs to give it to you. You already have it to be successful. And I believe in you guys. That's why we make these podcasts, because we believe in you. If not, I wouldn't waste my time. I believe you guys can do it. You just need that motivation. You need the mentorship. You need the network. The same thing that I need. Same thing we all need. All right? So definitely listen to what Dr. Darko said. Take these things to heart. Right, You can get a whole lot more of Dr. Darko. Check out his podcast, Docs Out the Box, where he interviews a whole lot of other doctors so you can hear their stories as well. But definitely check out his podcast, one of the top-rated podcasts out there, period, point blank. He is the podcast boss, all right? Final reminder here on this episode, Black Men and White Coat Summit, February 16th. I'm going to put the link down below. Hope to see all you guys there. Definitely register. Free event. We'd love to see you guys there, all right? And for all the pre-medical students, have any questions, I'm here for you guys. You know where to find me, premedstar.com. Just shoot me a message out there and, you know, I'll do the best to help you however I possibly can. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. As always, I love you. I'll see you next time.